This is the Create and Thrive Podcast, episode 203, where I talk to Katie Salmon about how to create emails that get opened and get people to take action. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Jess here. Before we get started, I just want to take a moment to give a huge thank you and shout out to all the new members of the Thriver Circle who joined over the last week. Welcome. It's awesome to have you with us. Thank you for joining the community. By doing so, you support this podcast and make it possible. If you want to join the circle in the future, it'll be open again next month. Head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out more about that. And today's episode is an interview with Katie Salmon. Katie is a self-proclaimed marketing geek and spends her days dreaming about how to help business owners to sell more stuff. Since 2016, she's been serving clients through her boutique marketing agency, Katie Does Marketing, where she's helped shop owners turn email marketing into a lucrative sales channel. She's also one of the founders of Shop Pop, which is a one-stop resource center with marketing, education, and templates. And we're talking specifically about how you can design your emails in order to get people to open them and actually take action. Things like, what should you put in your subject line to get people to actually click the open button? What should you put inside your email? How can you design it so that people are more likely to take action? What sort of content should you be putting inside your email? And how often should you be emailing? All those questions and more, we're going to talk about an answer in today's episode. Hey, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hey there, Jess. I'm so grateful to be here. So today we're going to be talking about something that I think a lot of people struggle with, ignore, because it seems a little bit overwhelming, and that is email marketing. But we're going to talk about specific areas of it, because that is kind of one of your specialties, right? Yes, I am a full-blown email marketing geek. <laughs> Love it. All right, but before we dive into that, could you give us a little bit of a background on, uh, you know, how you got to be a full-blown email marketing geek and what you did before that? Sure. Yeah. So um, I fell in love with marketing in college. Um, I just, um, in marketing 101 class, just became obsessed with the science of getting the right product in front of the right person at the right time in order to make a sale. Um, and it's just really what I love to do. I love helping shop owners um, sell their stuff. And so today I do that through, I have a marketing agency um, where I help um, shop owners actually execute their marketing. And then most recently um, started a new business um, called Shop Pop, which is an online resource center that has classes and templates to help shop owners do their own marketing um, in less time. So that's uh, kind of more about me and what I do. Awesome. So, um, you know, obviously most of the people listening here are makers, artists. Do you have any sort of creative hobbies of your own? Um, yes, I, re- I mean, it's not, I'm, I'm, that's not, not me. So a, a little bit more background. I, um, when I was growing up, I was just convinced I was going to be a fashion designer. I got right. sewing machine when I was like in seventh grade, I was just I thought that was going to be my path in life. And then I even went to college um, to study fashion merchandising. And then like semester one, realized I am not artistic and I could never (laughs) be a fashion designer. And so that's really when I went to marketing class. I was like, 
oh my gosh, this, this was the creative part of me that really came out was in marketing class. And um, so I, I love when other people make stuff. I think that's great. Um, but as far as a hobby, I like to garden. So that's <laughs> anything, I guess. I love it. I think you make a really good point there. You said that's where the creative part of me comes out. I think we have this weird idea that somehow business and marketing is not creative, but it really right. is. Yeah, it's one part science and one part art. So there is, you know, some rules and structures to it. Um, but there's there's so much room for um, creativity and, and a point of view. Yeah, and I think it's I think it would help a lot of makers if they kind of reframed it that way and saw the marketing side of their business as something they can be creative with and have a bit of fun with rather than it being this kind of scary, overwhelming drudgery. Right, absolutely. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit more now about um, email marketing because sure. I think there's a very big movement, especially in the creative industry, to really focus on social media. And, you know, social media is fantastic. I wouldn't be where I am without it. It's for sure an important, if not vital part of the marketing um, sort of plan. But it's also a little bit dangerous to build your entire marketing platform on somebody else's real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, and, and you're, you're right on the money there because social media is so crucial. I call it the handshake of business. So if you're not on social media, um, how will people know that you exist unless you, you know, shout it from the rooftops? And so it's just such a powerful tool in order to meet people. Um, but we're seeing that it's become less and less of a powerful tool to make a sale. And so that's really where um, email marketing shines is because um, you own uh, the ability, you own your audience on email marketing. Mm -hmm. Email is a communication form. It's not a business. Um, Facebook and Instagram, that is a business, a publicly held company that they're trying to make money like us. And so mm -hmm. the email is, is, you know, pretty democratic. It's just um, a, a form of communication. Nobody owns it. There's no um, real significant algorithm at play. Um, and so as long as, you know, you have proper permissions, you can communicate with somebody um, as much as as long as you want um, and, until they say uh, no more. And so a, a recent stat shows that somebody is three times more likely to see your email um, than to see your post on Instagram. And I just believe, you know, given recent trends that that number is just going to go up and up over, over the years and that it's going to become more and more difficult to have your content seen on platforms uh, on social media. So that doesn't mean that we need to abandon them. Um, we should just look at them for what they are and be realistic about what they can do for our businesses. I think that's an excellent way of framing it because, you know, we're gone are the, the good old days, as we say, of Instagram where every post was seen and it was, you know, chronological. Right. Uh, it's, it's so much, it's such a different beast these days uh, and it is a lot harder to get seen for free. You know, you can pay to play, but uh, a lot of us don't have a lot of money to spend on that. Right. So, you know, getting people from, you know, as you said, it's, it's a way for people to find you and meet you. And then what you want to really do ideally is to get them to take that next step and commit to hearing from you on a regular basis, which is what email is. Right. And there's even been some studies that, that show that people are more receptive to sales messages via email than they are on social media. Mm -hmm. And so if you just think about, you know, our own attitudes towards both of those platforms, like we get on in our inbox in order to take action. Um, but we get on social media to check out. 
And so we're looking for entertainment uh, mostly on social media, but in our email inboxes, um, we're, we're more receptive. Like if I get an email from old Navy, I know they're going to sell me something in that email. And if I choose to open it, it's because I'm probably looking to buy something. And so it's just, um, it's a more appropriate uh, sales channel as well to make a sale. That's a really interesting point. Um, So hopefully we've convinced people (laughs) (laughs) that email marketing is, is really important. And it's especially important for businesses that have repeat custom. So people who buy from Mm -hmm. you over and over again, that is those sorts of businesses. It's, so incredibly powerful to have email marketing because people want to come back to you and buy over and over again. Um, if you don't have necessarily people coming and buying from you over and over again, it's still useful in that it keeps you in their mind. And rem- remember that word of mouth is still the most powerful uh, method of marketing that exists that we can't really control. But if people remember you're there, they're more likely to kind of refer you to friends and family as well. Yep, absolutely. I know I get a lot of, because um, we, my, my jewellery business, we specialise in uh, wedding rings. So thankfully, most of those people are one-off customers. <laughs> but so many of them have come back to me because I, I, I do, a, a, I really um, try to build a relationship with them uh, mm-hmm. through good, really good communication with my customers. And so many of them have come back later and said, oh, I've got this friend who's getting married and I recommended you, you know, um, could you help them out sort of thing. So it, that really is uh, a powerful tool for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about what makes a good email. I think that's a really interesting topic. What, you know, I think a huge problem that people face is not knowing what to send, not knowing how often to send, not knowing what to talk about, not knowing what sort of subject line to use to get people to actually open the email. So let's talk about all of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Where should we start? Um, I would say, let's start with subject lines. Okay. So I, um, so I call the subject line, the gatekeeper of the email. Um, so if it's not good, then it'll send your email to the trash. Um, just because people decide, um, in mere seconds, if they want to open your email or not. And so I have, you know, three magic rules that are pretty easy to remember to help you, uh, do uh, a great subject line. And the first is to keep it short. So um, ideally, you want it to be about 40 characters or less um, because any longer and it could get cut off on mobile. Mm. So, um, you know, you want to you know, have the most important information up front and then keep it um, close to 40 characters or less. The second rule is to actually indicate in the subject line what the email is about. Um, so the subject line, you know, I see some people and brands try to get um, a little abstract or have, you know, a really deep metaphor or to, you know, some sort of, you know, out there pun. Um, and while that might, might be entertaining, if I don't, if I don't have a good expectation of what the email is actually about and what I'm going to find inside, then I probably won't open it. So I have an example of that. I was just looking at my email inbox, looking for examples. And I, I got um, one from Loft, which is a clothing company. And, and the subject line said, one and done and out the door. Um, which is rhyme, it rhymes and it's cute, but I don't have a good expectation of what's actually going to be in the email when I, unless I open it. Mm-hmm. And when I did, they were, you know, advertising kind of complete outfits that you could, you know, wear and then walk out the door. Right. Um, so, I did, so something like that is a, it's a little bit too abstract. I have to sit there and really think about it. And the fact is that people won't. 
Um, mm. They need to know pretty much right off the bat um, what they can expect to find inside. And then the last rule um, is to keep that in balance with uh, creating some intrigue. So you can still say what the email is about um, while also creating some compelling reason for someone to click through and, and open it. And so one of the ways is to use um, something called a power word. So a power word creates, um, they're words that create urgency and exclusivity that trigger the parts of our brain that fear missing out. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see subject lines that say things like, you know, last call, today only, limited edition. Um, all of those words are really powerful. And then you can also use puns um, or, you know, something clever as long as it's clear. So I just got one from Starbucks. I thought it was super cute. And it said, uh, here's the tea. And it had a little emoji. So like, I know that email is going to be about tea, but I also know that's, you know, a slang phrase meaning, you know, here's the gossip. And so yeah. I thought that was cute. Um, and so that those are kind of the three rules that I like to think through when I'm writing a subject line. That's fantastic. It's so simple and clear. Uh, I hope you're all taking notes here. And if you don't, <laughs> if you haven't, pause it, go back <laughs> and note those things down and or go to the show notes for this episode. Just head on over to grantthrive.com and look for the show notes for this episode and we'll have that all kind of written out for you there. Now, this is really interesting. You know, I, I want to talk about the first point there because I know I, I struggle with this. You, you, you want to try to tell people what the email's about but less than 40 characters, it's such a short, uh, a short space to try to get all of that in there. Do you think it's, it's like becoming a bit of a, a science slash art for people to actually try to figure that out? Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think, you know, the main point under that is everything you do when it comes to email needs to be with mobile and mind first. So most people are reading their emails on their mobile device. Um, I think it's a little bit more than 50% now, um, but I think, you know, that number is bound to go up. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to be designing with that first. And so even though it is, you know, pr a pretty big constraint to say 40 characters or less, it's worth it to figure it out. And so some of the tricks could be, you know, making sure you're using contractions. You can use symbols when you can. You could also use emojis. Mm -hmm. um, those tend to... Um, you know, you can use emo an emoji in place of, you know, an additive or something like that. Um, like I'll write a subject line that might say something like, uh, these will make you, and then it'll be like the hard eye emoji, something mm -hmm. like that. So that, you know, indicates that it's, you know, some new style that they're going to love. And so I said it with an emoji rather than with words. So that's, you know, one trick for that. I've, I've actually been using that a little bit myself lately is putting emojis in subject lines just to make them stand out, if nothing else, from all mm -hmm. of the others. Um, yeah. Do you recommend that as a strategy? Yeah, absolutely. And most email service providers will allow you to um, run what's called an A-B test, mm -hmm. um, which means that you, you know, make one, you, know, you send basically two different emails that there's just one slight change so that you can learn what your audience likes. And so you could send one, you know, version A doesn't have an emoji, but version B does. And so then you could see and compare open rates like, oh, wow, the one that had an emoji in it, the open rate was much higher. Um, and so I like running simple tests like that just so I can start to learn what does my audience prefer? Because sure, you can read blog posts and you could you know, look at studies, but your audience is your audience. And so, um, it's important to, to take an investigative approach to email marketing and trying to figure out how can I, you know, capture the attention and, and serve my audience well. 
And another part of the subject line um, is, I can't remember what it's called now, it's totally gone out of my head, but it's that little sentence underneath the subject line that you can sure. actually... Yeah, the preview text. Thank you, the preview text. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can also use that as a secondary sure. information source, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can think of that as a, you know, basically a continuation of your subject line. So the two should, should flow together well. And so you can... Um, you know, like in the subject line example I just gave, like these will make you hard eyes. Um, in your preview text, you would say like new tops, jeans, and sweaters under $30, you know, open now to see, you know, something like that. It would be a little fluffier, but that would be, you know, kind of an explainer of what more explanation of what they can ex expect inside. Yeah. So don't neglect that area, everybody. Make sure that, you know, you, because it'll, if you don't put something in that in your um, email marketing software, it will just, it'll just pull, pull something, something from yeah. the beginning of your email. So use that text um, to your advantage, definitely. Yeah. So let's now talk about once people do click, we've got them to click, they've opened mm -hmm. the email. What works and what doesn't inside that sure. email? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I think the number one thing to be thinking about is what is this going to look like on someone's tiny phone? Mm. Um, because most of the time we're going to be designing on our laptop or desktop. Um, and so what might look big and bold and, and gorgeous to us on our computers might look um, small and not compelling on a phone. And so just a few uh, tips for that would be when it comes to images, um, using images that are um, portrait orientation rather than landscape orientation. So our computers are landscape orientation. And so, you know, as we're designing, you know, we do images like that, that might look great on our computer, but it's going to shrink down to be really small on our phones, which are portrait orientation. And so, you know, I, you know, design emails that even on my computer, I think, wow, this image looks really large because I have a large portrait size, you know, email, but it looks, or large portrait image, but it looks awesome on your mobile. Um, and so that's, that's just one tip is, is to think about how can I make this image really stand out on mobile. Another would be font size. So it is um, very trendy right now to have small, dainty fonts. Um, <laughs> I, that's like I have a weird hobby horse about font size. I hate small fonts because <laughs> nobody reads them. Like they look beautiful and trendy and designerly. Um, but nobody will read your words if they have to pinch and zoom. Um, mm -hmm. They just won't do it. And so if you want your words to be read, they need to look like grandma size. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so they need to, um, I say email, the minimum size font in your email should be 16 point, um, if not 18 uh, for, for body copy. So, and, and then a final tip would be to make sure that you have plenty of white space between images and text. Um, that's something that's kind of a rookie mistake is just, I'm not making sure that there's enough breathing room around your elements. Mm. Um, again, that's especially important on mobile where things tend to look a little bit more squished together. So let's uh, thinking specifically about um, make the maker community. So generally speaking, we're selling a product, a physical product. Mm -hmm. Should we be um, starting the email off with an image or should we be starting the email off with text? I think with an image and, um, that, that's typically how I design emails. Mm -hmm. um, but even just looking, I'm one of those people that uh, subscribes to a lot of marketing emails just for fun because I like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so if you just look at, you know, who are your favorite brands? What emails are you regularly opening and, you know, that you can't wait to read? And look at those and, and 
used as an inspiration and as a jumping off point. And I would say that 90% of them are going to be, you know, full of, you know, have, have beautiful images. And that's really what they're going to lead with because people aren't going to spend a ton of time reading your email. In fact, they're not going to read it. They're going to skim it unfortunately. Um, so no one's going to read it word for word and they're just going to kind of scroll through and the thing that's going to really capture their attention um, is going to be the images. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people feel like they have to write an essay when they're sending right. an email. Uh, what should they really be doing instead of that? Yeah. Like I said, I think, you know, being realistic about how much time someone's going to spend on your email and so unless you're providing some sort of information, so if you're, you know, a service-based business, that'd be totally different. So, you know, when I'm sending an email for my business, those tend to be a little bit lengthier. There's not a lot of images in them because I'm, you know, maybe teaching on a certain topic. Um, but for a product-based business, there's not a ton of, re- there's not a huge reason to have a ton of, of copy um, just because it's a product. Um, yeah. So I would say, you know, being really kind of a ruthless editor. So once you write something, ask, how can I take a third of that away? Because probably a third of it isn't necessary. Um, And so I think, you know, that that's a good place to start. What are some elements that you think every sales email should have in them? Um, Without question, every email needs some clear call to action. So um, there's a, a marketer that I follow named Donald Miller and he says this about websites, but I think it's also true for emails that every, um, you know, piece of marketing content should tell me, what are you selling? How will it make my life better? And how do I get it? And so, um, you know, making sure that you have big, beautiful buttons throughout your email and you don't just wait until the very end to give me a button to go shop to your site um, because people might not make it to the end. So having clear mm-hmm. calls to action throughout um, is very important. I think that's a really good point because I feel like some people feel like they're um, feel weird about selling in their email, even though that's kind of the whole point of it. Um, yeah. they, <laughs> they feel kind of icky or um, pushy if they're actually asking for the sale in an email. So, you know, one, should we just get over that? And two, are there ways that we can sell without feeling like we're just being buy my stuff now? Right. Yeah. I, I know that, you know, there are, especially if, if it's, if it's your business and it's just you, um, it's so personal mm. uh, to ask for the sale. And so I would kindly say that you would just need to work on getting over that mm. <laughs> because um, I know that if you're selling something and offering it to the world that you really believe in it and you believe that it's going to make someone's life better. And so in your email, focus on that. How will it actually make someone's life better and why do you believe in it? And what sort of, you know, thoughtfulness and features um, have you incorporated in it um, to really serve someone and focus on that. Um, and then if, if that's the case, if you really have a thoughtfully designed and, uh, product that will serve people, people will buy it and it won't seem like selling. It'll seem like service. Um, and so that's what I'd say about that. I love that way of framing it. It won't seem like selling. It'll seem like service. I think that's a really, really powerful reframing that people can do in their, in their heads to change how they feel about that. Um, I, that I'll tell a little story about that for me. I had uh, no business or sales experience. I used to think of business as something, you know, a bit icky, a bit like that sort of, you know, I grew up as a kid in the 80s, that sort of 
that sort of perception of sales Mm -hmm. as being really pushy and which is hilarious because my dad was actually a sales rep for 30 years and he's like the nicest person in the world. So (laughs) (laughs) that was a weird disconnect my brain did there about that. Um, And when I first, I got my first job uh, involved in business, which is I was a manager for a tuition center and I had to learn how to sell. I had to learn how to sell the, the, the program to parents. And um, the company did a really good job of training me and, and, and really saying, okay, well, you're selling something that will make people's lives better. Like this will really genuinely help these kids to improve uh, and it will help them to get through school. It'll help them to feel better about themselves. You know, all of those reasons uh, for, for helping people people and kind of that's what shifted my perception of sales and 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 marketing it was like oh well I'm actually trying to help people here Uh, and it's up to them whether they choose to take advantage of that this particular type of help or not but really reframing it in that way and saying well I'm giving people something of value and I'm giving them the opportunity to um, take that thing of value and bring it into their lives rather than I'm trying to use you to make money off you. It's right, a, it's absolutely. a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. And I think remembering too that people can unsubscribe. Like <laughs> if somebody doesn't like your content or it's, you know, they're at a different place and they're not in the market for what you're selling and they can unsubscribe. Um, and I'd encourage you to not look at who unsubscribes because if most of the time, you know, when you're running a really small business, you probably know a lot of the people on your list. And so just guard your little heart and don't look and just keep on moving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's like not worrying about who's following you on social media or whatever, just kind of keep, keep doing what you're doing. And if it's in line with who you are and what you believe and what your product's all about, the right people will follow you and the wrong people will not. Right. And it's the same with email. Uh, and I think it, I, I just want to point out that unsubscribe thing. People will unsubscribe. It's just, it's just what happens. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's a good thing um, mm. because having an, a, an email list that has really low engagement um, can eventually send your emails to spam. And so you want your emails, you want to make sure that you're emailing people that I want to read your emails. That does not mean you'll get a hundred percent open rate or even close. Um, but you want to make sure that your email list is really healthy and, and they're doing you a favor when they do unsubscribe. Um, because you know, most email service providers are, you pay by the subscriber. Mm. So you want to make sure that you have a really good, um, healthy and engaged list. So let's briefly touch on that. You said that the open rates, I think people freak out when they see, what they think are low open rates that they're failing. What's the sort of industry standard sort of open rate we can be looking at and click rates as well? Yeah, it it depends on your industry. Mm. Um, But most of the time, the larger your list, the lower the open rate and the longer you've been sending email, the lower your open rate. And typically those two things go hand in hand. Like the longer you've been emailing, the larger your list. Um, And so don't be discouraged if you see, you know, when your list had 50 people on it, you had a 50% open rate and now you have 5,000 and you're at 30. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's pretty typical. Um, And so I would say, you know, for if you're in 
like an apparel industry or just a product industry, if you can get between 20 and 30%, then you should, you should feel really good about yourself. Um, but if you have a smaller list, you could get, you know, potentially even more. Okay. And what about like a click through, what sort of click through rates do we generally see in product based businesses say? Um, I actually don't know a stat on that, but just thinking mm-hmm. through my clients and kind of the experience there, I would say, you know, anywhere from, from three to 5%, um, should, you should feel really good about that. Yeah. Cause I, I guess I'd see that as sort of a conversion rate in a way. Um, and conversion rates, you know, two to 3% is pretty good really. <laughs> so, sure. um, yeah. Awesome. So everybody listening, if you are seeing those sorts of numbers, it's normal. Don't ever, you know, don't expect to be getting everybody opening every email you send, unless maybe you have like 10 people on your list and they're all family and friends. And even then right. probably not. <laughs> right. And one way to kind of compare it and because people will get, will see that number and they'll say, well, email marketing isn't working. No one's looking at it. I'm not going to do it. Well, next time you post something on social media, look at the number of likes you got compared, you know, over the number of followers you have and look at that percentage. It's probably less than, than 30% or <laughs> oh, yeah. whatever your open rate was. Um, and so, you know, just looking at it, you know, comparing it that way, I think is kind of illuminating. Yeah, definitely. That's a really, really good point because it's going to be way lower uh, than that. So I think we've covered sort of the key points of email itself. Is there anything else you want to, any other words of wisdom about email marketing you'd like to share with everybody listening? Yeah, I would just say that um, email marketing is not something that you do a couple times and then just don't do it anymore. Um, mm. It's something that you um, commit to and it's something that, that takes, you know, time in order to see results. You know, most people that I know do not get a sale just by sending one email and they get a sale by building a consistent relationship over time. And that's really true with all of marketing. There's no such thing as, you know, overnight success with marketing. It's, I like to compare it to gardening. It is little by little consistent effort um, and thoughtful effort that will eventually, you know, yield a result. And so I would just say, if you're interested in, in pursuing email marketing as a um, sales strategy for you, I encourage you to do it. And I also encourage you to, um, to keep at it and, and to be consistent and, and to give it a chance. Excellent. Katie, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today and talking about email marketing. I think we've got quite a few nuggets of wisdom there for people to take away and implement in their businesses. Can you remind us where to find you? Yes, you can find me at theshoppop.com or you can find me on Instagram at theshoppop. Brilliant. And yeah, go check out uh, Katie's stuff if you want some more help with this, a bit more guidance and support. Uh, Have a look at what she has to offer. Thank you so much again, Katie, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you spending your time with us today. Yes, thanks, Jess. And that is the show for another week. Before I go, I want to read a review from Krista. And she titled it one of the best and said, Jess Van Den is wonderful. Her podcast is definitely one of the best I've listened to on starting and running a handmade business. She's incredibly inspiring, caring, encouraging, motivating, and positive. I would never have been able to start my business without her. 
Jess also tells it like it is and includes the hard parts about running a solopreneur business without glossing over the work and sometimes um, tears that can be involved in this endeavor. Her topics and interviews are spot on. You will not be disappointed. Lots of exclamation marks. (laughs) She's amazing. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Krista. That is a really, really lovely review. I really appreciate you taking the time to write that. And I'm so proud of you for starting your business. Well done. And if you would like to leave a review, it would mean so much to me. It's easy to do if you listen via Apple uh, Podcasts. You can just do it from within the app. It'll take you a minute or two. Alternatively, come on over to Facebook, search Create and Thrive and leave a review on the Facebook page. That would be absolutely fantastic. Reviews like this one really make my day. And uh, I love to hear what you think of the show and how it's helped you. Thank you so much for listening for another week. Of course, I'll be back again next week with another episode of the show. And I have something exciting coming for you in September. So watch this space for that. We'll be back again soon. Bye for now.